Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. All right, welcome to the Chronic Podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Albro. Tonight we are joined, as always, by our fearless leader, President Emeritus, Chairman of the Board... Canal Street Chronicles, Dave Cariello, and from Akeem Drops the Ball, Kevin Held. Uh, guys, I'm going to start um, with, I want your take on the whole situation with John Barr. Outside the Lines did another, I don't know if you call it a hit piece on Sean Payton. It's basically just, Sean Payton is like every other coach in the NFL. He can be a huge asshole. He's really arrogant. He's occasionally brilliant, and he fights with the media, um, which is pretty much any successful coach ever. Kevin, what was your thoughts on that whole situation, uh, the piece in general, and did you find anything of it, anything in it shocking about the Saints? Um. So, so I, you know, I don't have cable. I've yeah. made a, I make a point of mentioning that, you know, whenever applicable. Um, so I didn't get to see the outside the lines piece Sunday morning when everybody else did, and so couldn't react, you know, at the same, you know, for the first time with everybody else. And so I got to read all of this, like vitriol, and oh my god, it's a complete hatchet job, and it's I can't, you know, it's like a complete yeah. takedown and all sorts of kind of stuff. And I'm like, damn, is that bad? And, you know, I'm always fine with taking shots at ESPN and, you know, anybody that thumbs their nose at the, at the team and, and apparently just bullshits around like, like John Barr has in the past. So I finally watched the story, and I'm kind of just like, I was watching it, and I couldn't find myself getting that aggravated by it because... You know, one, I already know that it, you know, like, why the fuck would, would anybody, you know, let John Barr within the city limits to begin with, let alone stand on a fucking balcony in the French Quarter and do those, uh, do those, uh, one shots that he's doing. And then, like, I kind of found myself getting more aggravated at Joe Horn of all people, but then, but, but, then, but then it's like, you know, yeah, I got pissed at Joe Horn originally. When when he left and went to Atlanta and you know called him Fredo Joe and that whole thing and but yeah I got pissed again but then he's like no Sean Payton's a brilliant guy he's you know he's five hundred percent arrogant as Joe says and then yeah he's a, he's a brilliant coach he knows what he's doing he's ruthless well Joe Horn was then, not to interrupt but I mean it's my understanding that Joe Horn did not leave the team. On, on good terms and oh no oh, oh absolutely not i i have no i have no reason to doubt that either and then you know hearing the thing that that i'd always heard but hearing it sort of like said in a national forum that you know the saints cut mike carney like the day before he was getting married or whatever i was kind of like yeah it's a pretty dick move 
that's that's a pretty fucking dick move, especially you know. I got I got a chance to interview Mike Carney when I used to actually go to the training camp and nice guy, uh, very very affable, like he he understood I think what it meant to be a football player, you know, always seemed to have his head on his shoulders and you know to find sort out. Sort of in the vein of Steve Gleason, I, I've always considered Mike Carney sort of in the vein of Steve Gleason, you know, not some right. smart, smart right, with right. his money off the field, you know, and you know always looking to educate himself and, and, and you know, re- realizing that life is not all about football whatsoever. Right, and just, you know, right, like a regular, approachable guy right. Right. who you could talk to about a lot of different things. And, you know, on some days that's what I ended up doing, and he was very, you know, he seemed very cool and relaxed about it. And so to hear that he actually got that cut and then, you know, that, that kind of fucking – bothered me and pissed me off a little bit because, you know, he was he was a nice guy. He was one of the good guys. I, I always felt he did his job and he got cut. But at the same time, it's like, what, what are you going to do? It's like, what, what do you, I, I like you as a guy. I like you as a player. Um, I mean, I'm kind of torn because, like, this is the coach of the team. And, yeah, it's a dick move, but he's the guy running the ship. I'm not the guy in charge of who's getting cut and who's not getting cut. So, you know, I'm glad you got on with another team. I I wish the best for you. And then you hear the whole, all oh, the team was allegedly targeting him and all this kind of stuff. I don't know about that. I don't know if that was Carney trying to pile on or what. Oh no, Greg Williams had a had a whole slide devoted to Mike Carney in one of his pregame things. You know, that's poorly yeah. done, it's, by the way. It's 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 off it's off putting. It's off putting, and right. you know, just. You just wish it didn't fucking happen, but a lot of it did, and you kind of just say, well, that sucks, and roll on. But is it, Kevin, is it anything you saw in the piece, did it? Did you go, did you go, oh my God, other coaches in the NFL do not act that way? I mean... No, I, no, absolutely not. I, I, Jim Caldwell doesn't act like that. Well, Jim Maybe Caldwell, not. You don't know. Jim Caldwell doesn't act. Period. Like Jim Caldwell would have to have a fucking pulse. Is Jim like, Caldwell I, I mean, even temperature? Like, That's the question. I mean, like honestly, honestly, the only other fucking coach in the last, I don't know, ten, fifteen years that I would say doesn't act like that or didn't act like that is probably Dick Vermeil. And yeah. with the exception, and with the exception of Dick Vermeil. I, I got no fucking clue. I yeah. got no clue. Every, I mean, anybody else I would point to and say, yeah, this guy's got to be a dick in some capacity or he's got to be an overbearing son of a bitch, just something. Yeah. But you know what? The Those guys are either successful or, or, or they're good enough to where they can keep getting jobs. I mean, shit, the current guy for the Rams, Jeff Fisher, was with the Tennessee Titans for fucking, what, 15 years? And, and he's only Titans mediocre years. as a coach. Right, well, the... here's the thing. The Tennessee Titans were only good for like six of those years that he was there. But why was he there for so long? Because he kept the team fired up and competitive, and he was, you know, he he was kind of a son of a bitch. And plus he had a pretty fucking sweet mustache. So you want to keep that guy around for as long as possible until, he's, until he proves, no, I can't fucking do my job. I'm horrible at my job. So that's kind of how that works. It's like if you if you have 
any kind of success or are competent in a way that coaches are expected to be competent and perform, they'll keep you around. They'll keep you around. Well, that brings me to an interesting question. This has gone off in a completely different direction. (laughs) But, Kevin, what does that say about Jim Hazlitt, who got the Saints their first playoff win ever and hadn't gotten another job? Because, uh, listen, I've said this before fucking too. <laughs> this guy ain't fit, this guy ain't fit to coach electric football, let alone actual fucking football as a head coach, okay? There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. (laughs) I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. I, 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 I said, this guy, can't be, this guy can't be a head coach. And then I was like, no, no, no. This guy can't be a fucking defensive coordinator. He is a position coordinator at best. And sure enough. Sure enough, the fucking, I believe it's the Steelers. The Steelers picked him up and said, no, 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 we want you to just coach uh, coach the linebackers. Or was it the fucking Redskins that picked up? Either way, it was a shitty decision. He's, Either a, way, he's a, a coordinator for the Redskins. He was defensive coordinator, yeah. Oh, God, well, that, ex- that explains plenty. <laughs> that explains plenty. I, I, you see, he, it's, that's one of the, I, I wouldn't say he's failing up, but, you know, he's never going to get to be a head coach again. But that's the way it is in the NFL. It's like if you get to demonstrate some basic level of competence, which he apparently did, that 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 will hold you over for a long time before the rest of the league wises up and says, okay. Yeah, we got a second job in the NFL. Right. But I'm just saying, Jim, Wade Phillips got another job. I'm just saying – Jim Hazlitt, he, he must have some sort of stain on him because I would think winning, I would think winning a playoff game with the Saints would at least get you like the Raiders head coaching job or maybe Cincinnati, Cleveland. Mangini, Eric Mangini got a second job for Christ's sake. Uh, J- Jim Hazlitt, Jim Hazlitt must be a hell of a must be a hell of a personality. I don't know. I'm just I'm just asking I'm just asking questions. I don't have any pre thought up answers. Oh uh, no, none of them do. Dave, um, I'm gonna say in my column this week that 
the, the Saints-Jacksonville game was, as far as a preseason game goes, pretty freaking horrendous. Uh, when you factor in performance and injuries, uh, it's I would say on the on the pre in the on the preseason scale of death, it rates like a seven out of ten, seven and a half. What is your thought? What was your thoughts on the uh, Saints Jaguars preseason game? Oh man, it actually you could you could probably rate it higher. I mean, just well, maybe if there was like another injury, but uh, yeah, it was bad. Uh, <laughs> it was it was uh, really not a fun game to be at. Um, it really. Uh, because of the poor officiating, it lacked a lot of flow, and, and it took a long time so to really drag out. Roger Goodell said it today. <laughs> uh, I mean, it really it really dragged out for a preseason game, and uh, and I mean the play, the defense, you know, the, the missed tackles and, and all that. I mean, they just look floppy. But uh, the Saints have one game like that every single preseason. Like like it's it's guaranteed every single preseason. They have one game, and, you know, this is, this is we've had the same conversation for the last three years after after a particular game, and it's like, you know, the Saints always look, they look tackling, weak, weak tackling, and they just look bad, and everybody starts freaking out, but what winds up happening, regular season comes, and the Saints wind up uh, being just fine. So, uh, yeah, it was ugly, yeah, it was bad, but uh, Mom suddenly certainly doesn't make me any more nervous uh, about the upcoming season. The only thing that makes me nervous is the injuries, I mean, because those are important. Uh, you know, Chris Chamberlain, that sucks the whole year, but the Curtis Lofton one, uh, that bothers me a little bit more because uh, you know, he's – I really have liked what I've seen out of yeah. him so far. Uh, and, I mean, even though he was a replacement for Vilma, I mean, he, he's, he's an upgrade. Um, so, you know, Hopefully his injury doesn't last too long. They're only saying it's a week or whatever. You know, he might. They're saying he, he might play the first week. Um, I'm not going to get my hopes up about that. Um, it, it actually has. It feels like the whole Vilma situation all over again, like last year. Vilma hurt himself preseason, and they were saying the same thing. Oh, he'll be back by week one. He didn't play in the first game. I don't think. I believe that's correct. Uh, but um, so we'll see. But I think the Saints are going to be fine. I think the Saints are going to be fine. But that rude signing. Um, you know, you could look at it two ways. I, I, I think a lot of us, uh, when we saw the Barrett Root sign... I love it when they sign senior citizens. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. well, um, you know, I think a lot of us say, holy shit, um, maybe the situation at linebacker is, is pretty bad and it's worse than we thought, but they need to do this and trade away a, a draft pick, um, a seventh-round draft pick. But uh, And then and, and Barrett Root himself, he's definitely... A potential liability. He's already liability. injured, isn't he? He came in. He came, he came uh, injured. He missed, he missed. I mean, he, he was on the Seahawks, but he's never actually played a game for them because this was his first year, and he never played any of the preseason games. So, uh, yes, he's he's currently injured, and he's coming off other off-season injuries. So, uh, you know, this is a huge question mark. But uh, the other way you can look at it, I mean, I saw one article just before we came on here from a not very reputable website. I don't even know who these people are. But, uh, uh saying that, you know, maybe the Saints overreacted. Maybe they didn't really need, maybe if they just, you know, calmed down for a bit and just thought about maybe fixing the problem with the talent they have in the building, as I like to say, as I like to quote Coach Caton, uh, you know, maybe they could have just gotten to where they needed with just who they have in the building. But um, obviously maybe they don't feel that way. Kevin, does the Barrett Rude signing make you more 
or less worried? <laughs> more, more worried because, you know, at first when I heard, oh, the Saints got Barrett Root. Oh, yeah, shit, I remember that guy when he was on the Bucks, man. This guy was – and actually, I thought he was still with the Bucks. I was like, man, this guy this guy was a beast with the Bucks, And that's the kind of – like, that's the kind of linebacker that we need. We need a guy named Barrett Root as a linebacker. That's that's how you fucking get this linebacking core. That's that that'll take him to the next step. Just get a guy with a fucking name like that. Now we get a like, guy with the last name of like Blood or like Bones or something, you know, just something crazy. That then then we got a fucking core. We got Lofton and and this other guy and Barrett Ruse, and that's how we're gonna do it. And then I'm like, Oh wait. He spent most of last season on IR and he hasn't played it down for the team that he's with and he's fucking perpetually hurt. And he passed his physical with a D plus, so I can't true? be all really? that stoked about him. Did he really pass with a D plus? I don't no, know. No, 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 no. You, you, you either pass, no. you either pass a physical or you don't. There is no, there is no sliding scale. I didn't. Know, I've never heard of grading. Grading. <laughs> Kevin, the 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 what funny thing is, I have? had I had the same exact reaction as you. I was like, Barrett, he's good. He's on Tampa team. And I was like, oh, man, he was injured. He played for Tennessee and he was injured. And then I realized, man, I am out of the loop. Like, I just – I used to be up on it and fantasy football. I'm already fired up now. I'm just like, eh, you know, about a day before my draft, I start looking at players. I am, I'm not plugged in like I used to be held. I'm getting old. All hey, right. Greg. It is. It is a drag, you know, when you sit in – you know, like today I worked and sat in my cubicle and – uh Tried to decide, uh, help help uh, Mitt Romney's old company Bain help them decide who they're going to give cancer to. That's what I do now. <laughs> but it sounds like a delightful way to collect a paycheck. It is. It's, it is. It's. It's. It. It is delightful because it because it pays extremely extremely much more than I deserve. Uh, <laughs> Dave. Oh, What's that? I said now I'm curious. Yeah, it is. It's it's just like a it's it's a, like a quote unquote like nonprofit. They give like ben, like benchmarks to companies. If you buy a company, they'll rate them and say, hey, they don't do this well. They do this well, whatever. Uh, it's super. It's super exciting, uh, Dave. I am a little bit concerned with the Saints. Uh, at wide receiver because Lance Moore has a tendency to get injured. Marcus Colston has a tendency to get injured. And they're banged up at at the wide receiver as it is. Um, And I know there's this sense with the Saints, and and you've always joked with me, hey, I'm like, Dave, are they going to just plug somebody in and be fine? And you're like, that's exactly what they're going to do. But doesn't there come a point where, like, you run out of bodies? Uh, well, hey, look, Ray, we got we got Greg Camarillo. He's going to save the day, baby. Uh, <laughs> obviously, I'm kidding, uh, but uh, I still kind of feel that way. Um, I mean, I think I think we've we've enjoyed what we've seen out of Joe Morgan, and I think if he's got a chance, um, if he's given a chance, he might make some crazy things happen. Hell, I mean. You could put a guy like Tavares Cadet out there uh, as wide receiver. I've been saying this whole time, just forget being a running back. Just just put him as a wideout. 
uh, not or maybe not a wideout, maybe more like a flat guy. But um, I, yeah, I mean, honestly, Ralph, I think they could probably slap the helmet on you and Drew Brees could make you look good. I don't know about that. So, <laughs> I'm not that. I'm not going to start worrying about it yet. I mean, I mean, yeah, you know, an injury to Colston, which is probably inevitable. I mean, the positions that Colston gets put in, um, and the tight spots that Colston has to make catches in, uh, it's only fitting that he gets injured. But he's like one of those. He sleeps in like a hyperbaric chamber, and he like heals up super fast. Yeah, he does. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, didn't he have like know. a knee? Did he have like a knee surgery last year, in like week fifteen? And they're like, ah, oh, he's going to be good. He's going to play in the playoff game. He's a yeah, yeah. I, I think he keeps like Mr. Miyagi in his closet. They do that little thing where he slaps his hands together and then rubs them till they're warm, and he places it on whatever affected area of the body Marcus Colson uh, has, and you know, he heals right up. No, but seriously, I mean Marcus Colson, he really takes this shit seriously. I mean, he takes he, he really he, he takes playing football like like he really treats it like a job, uh, and I absolutely respect that. But, uh, no, I'm not worried about the wide receiver position. No, not not yet. Absolutely not. And we've seen good things from Courtney Roby, too, who we've never seen. We, you know, we've never seen him used in the capacity that we have this preseason as a wide receiver. So, uh, you know, and maybe, I'm not optimistic about this, but maybe Nick Noon will get healthy and, uh, and, and could possibly contribute. But uh, right now my feelings are that Nick Noon is going to get put on IR and he'll sit out the season and, uh, you know, learn a bunch, learn the playbook and by observing, and then come in next year and be a world beater. Devery Henderson did that. Kevin, um, the over Aaron under... was supposed to do that. Well, Kevin, in Vegas, um, the over-under on passes Nick Toon will catch this year um, is one. Do you go <laughs> over or do you go under? <laughs> Uh, I'm with Dave. I'm with Dave. Under. I gotta go. I gotta go with Dave. I gotta take the under. I can't. I I, I just can't. I I wish I could. Wish I could uh go for that, but they're gonna put him. He's right. They're gonna put him on the IR, and they're gonna keep. They're gonna keep Roby, and they're. They would keep Roby regardless of whether Tune was healthy or not. Let me. Let me. You know, in, in case there's any. Doubt about this. I'm sorry for interrupting Kevin, but in case there's any doubt no, about this, Courtney, Courtney Roby makes the final roster. There's no question about that. Right, but what I'm saying is, is that he'll be, he'll be like the number four wide receiver. Okay. I can't, I, I can't see uh, Greg Camarillo passing him on the depth chart for that, and I don't see, uh, I don't see Cadet. Doing that either, and and you know, I think they're just going to finally uh, bid adieu to uh, Sir Adrian of Arrington. <laughs> no, Kevin. What will the message board people do? What will message board guy do? Well, well, yeah, but haven't they already turned all their love to uh, to uh, Cadet anyway? And they kind of have, but it's not the same. I don't think it's the same kind of love affair. Adrian, well, Cadet is going to be bound for the practice squad. Well, well, yeah, but I mean, but yeah. but, but Arrington, Arrington had a few years, to, you know, to, to really build up his uh, his mojo and his momentum as uh, as off season world champion. So, but the thing is, Dave, I don't. I mean, I watched the Jets, Dave, in the preseason. Their running backs blow. They might claim Cadet if the Saints cut him. I mean, the Jets are that terrible. 
in a total off-topic kind of way. Um, <laughs> yeah, why are we talking about the Jets? Well, I mean, look. You watch too many Dolphins games because of your wife. I, well, that that's true. Um, I know Greg Camarillo, he was the Dolphins' best receiver for a stretch. Okay, buddy? I know. Well, so why don't you tell us a little bit about Camarillo? I mean, can um, we put some of the tables on you? Can we expect any any reasonable production out of Greg Camarillo? Um, bear in mind, bear in mind that he has Drew Brees going to him now, not whoever the fuck the Dolphins yeah. had at any given fucking point in their god awful quarterback Greg, career. He he could get oh he he could get open. He got open more consistently than any other Dolphin receiver pre Brandon Marshall, and it wasn't even close. I mean, even <laughs> even Devin Best didn't get open as much as Camarillo. And I think he might he might be able to do something for the Saints because he's he's smart. He can they can they can put him all over the place. Um, he's sort of he's sort of like the dollar store version of Wes Welker. <laughs> but uh, all right, Kevin, as we you know, this is the last preseason game. The fourth one it doesn't really count. They don't do anything. Um, are we going to get a decisive uh, decision in the kicking battle? I hate that. I hate that this is the that, that this is the big competition. Uh, well, I mean, actually, fuck. I hate that there's even a competition. I kind of wish that. I wish there didn't need to be a competition. I wish that either John Casey just like went nuts and just like wandered off somewhere and decided <laughs> I'm going to go live in fucking Bangladesh for the season. Uh, so you go right ahead and keep Garrett Garrett Hartley, or or honestly. Or, or I wish, you know, Hartley was just like, I can't kick anymore. I don't have it in me mentally. Whatever. Just something. Just something where it was an easier decision because either... You want Aaron Hartley to get suspended, don't you? Part of me, secretly, yes. Secretly, well, not so secretly anymore. Yes. Part of me, <laughs> do, part of me wishes that that somebody in that building with a key to a locker, perhaps, that has, I don't know, certain unmarked bottles in them, might uh, <laughs> attempt to mix them in with whatever whey beverage uh, Mr. Hartley is uh, sampling on a particular day. Because it's either it's either we're cutting the guy who's been around forever and a day and is still making good kicks and is still doing all the right things and can still get the job done and is just like doing a yeoman's job. Or we're getting rid of the guy who shouldn't have to pay for a fucking beer in the city of New Orleans or the Gulf region, for that matter, for the rest of his natural-born life. So you, it's like, it's like, it's basically, it's it's worse than trying to pick uh, out of my, uh, which one of my dogs is my favorite. That's easier. That's easier. It's easy for me to pick which dog is my fucking favorite, but to pick which fucking place kicker I want, I can't do it. I don't. I, I don't do think it. this is as difficult as Kevin's making. I think this decision is easy. I think Hartley's the man. I mean, he hasn't really done anything this preseason to show us that he doesn't deserve the job. I mean, he's not, you know, making crazy kicks here. Yeah. And if all things are equal, tie goes to Garrett Hartley. You know, if if they both look the same, then Garrett Hartley's your guy because he's younger and you've already paid him the big contract. Yeah. But well, 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 that, well. Here's the thing: you've actually seen the game, so you can tell me that Garrett Hartley hasn't <laughs> fucked anything up. 
Uh, he hasn't. He, I mean, have, have you have you heard or read anything on Canal Street Chronicles or any other Saints website saying like like questioning Garrett Hartley's kicking abilities no. in the preseason? No, exactly. I have I have read I have read nothing with Garrett Hartley in the headline or anything indicating that Garrett Hartley is not exactly qualified. But, but it's just I, mean, I, you know, I, think, I think for Garrett Hartley, I think I think the left's upset about him. That's that's good. And I think kickers. Kickers are supposed to be, you know, I make this analogy all the time. Kickers are supposed to be like drummers. Like, you're not even supposed to know that they're there. They're just supposed to come in, do their job, and you, you, it's just something you can bank on. And, I mean, they've both really been like that. I mean, actually, if if anybody's been more consistent, I would say it's, it's, it's Hartley over Casey. I, I, personally, I think Hartley's been been actually winning the battle anyway. Um, but I, my point was is that even if he wasn't, even if things were just equal, I still think you go with Hartley. So it's his job to lose. So, yeah, it's 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 going to be it's going to be interesting, and I just think I think deep down probably they want Hartley to win it because Casey's kind of like year to year, whereas if Hart if you pick Hartley, I mean you can conceive that like you said they gave him the long term deal, so if Hartley keeps his shit together, he'll be the same, he could be the Saints kicker in five years, where you know Casey is not going to be. Uh, Kevin. We're not looking for Morton Anderson here. We're just looking for a guy with some long-term stability. <laughs> exactly. Like, just hardly, just play 16 games. You're a kicker. It's not that hard. Well, I mean, not even 16 games, but, I mean, you know, just give us three straight seasons where we know that you're just going to get the job done, for fuck's sake. That's, I mean, that's, 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 what, that's, that's the part that pisses me off, is that he's consistently given the Saints a reason to bring in a guy like John Carney or John Casey. <laughs> It is true, and and in a weird kind of way, he's you know he's either well he had the injury, he had the the right. the speed, he took this the 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 drug to keep him awake to, for the drive to New Orleans. Um, right. and what else did he had something else I thought, but I don't know. Um, oh yeah, they just they brought in old man uh, old man Carney. He got a case he, of the yips too. Yeah, he had a case of the yips too. Uh, Kevin, give me. Uh, for all the fantasy people out there, which are many, uh, give me a guy on because the Saints is it's just you know you got Jimmy Graham and you got Drew Brees and you got Colson, but Colson's sort of come and hit and miss. Who's a guy on the Saints that you are looking at that you are like I'm going to pick him because I think he's going to maybe not be a stud or a top five player or whatever, but a guy that. I think is going to be valuable to me uh, on a pretty consistent basis on the same. Okay, well, uh, well, to, to to be perfectly honest, if if we're all being honest, all you're really taking is Drew Brees and Jimmy Graham, and then and then there's a giant fucking gulf, and then you're taking Marcus Colston and Marion for that there. And then there's a big gulf. A big gulf. Well, I, I mean, you know, well, points-wise, I mean, you know, like, yeah, Darren Sproles had all those yards, but, you know, fucking fantasy ain't counting kick return and punt return yards. Yeah, but you know? I mean, and, and here's, here's the thing you got to consider. Somebody is going to take Darren Sproles way too fucking early anyway. So, you know, you're probably better off just, like, sitting and waiting. And, and now I don't know how this is going to go in, in any drafts back home because fuck any Saints player, you know, there's always going to be a bunch of yahoos that would 
gladly make their team nothing but the fucking Saints players and then get pissed when Devery Henderson... Spoken from the man who spent like 20 bucks on Jimmy Graham last year. Yeah, hell yeah. Hey, I, I was a fucking genius for getting Jimmy Graham, okay? I fucking believed in him. I fucking believed in him. I nurtured him. I was well-wishing. And the man came up all fucking roses for me. So, so my guy who knows me? My guy I'm still fucking patting myself on the back like Barry Horowitz. <laughs> I'm still patting myself for that one. But seriously, if, if you were looking for a, a guy to get uh, middle rounds that you could get, that you could count on consistent production from, I'd just fucking say Pierre. Because you know they're going to hand the ball to Pierre. You know he's bound to break off some nice runs. And they'll still throw him the ball. Because everybody keeps saying, boy, those swing passes to Pierre Thomas. I, I keep seeing that shit on Twitter during preseason games. Oh, swing pass to Pierre. Or a swing pass to Pierre. Oh, Pierre fights for those tough yards. That's, I mean, that's fucking Pierre Thomas in a nutshell. Fights for the tough yards. He's unafraid. And he's still, and he seems to be, you know, like, ready to just get out there and fucking run. Like, uh, like, uh, like nothing's happened, uh, since, uh, you know, prior to that last uh, game of the season, which shall uh, not be spoken of too much. So, Dave, I mean, he's going to be consistent. Yeah, Dave, do you have anybody on the Saints that you're sort of uh, targeting and looking at? Well, you know, it's it's tough. The key word in your question is consistency. It's tough because, I mean, you know, everybody knows it. The Saints just spread it around so much. Um, you know, Kevin, I mean, I agree. Peter Thomas, out of all the running backs, might be the most consistent as far as scoring points for your fantasy team. But, um, you know, they're also going to be doing the same thing with Darren Sproles. Sproles is going to be getting a handoff. Then he's going to be getting swing passes. And then they're going to have Mark Ingram, and he's going to get in there too. Uh, and then maybe, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe Chris Ivory or something like that. But he might only come in for injuries. But, I mean, I would say I actually, you know, you guys were talking about how you got, you know, or Kevin picked Jimmy Graham and, you know, he believes in him. My guy like that this year, I, I think my, my maybe you'd call a sleeper, but I, I, would, I would go with Mark Ingram. I mean, I think he's going to get a lot of the – I think he's going to get – well, first of all, I mean, I think he's looked very good this season. I really liked what, he, what I've seen from him so far. And I think he's going to run a lot better this year. But, I mean, I think he's also going to get a lot of that goal line stuff. Yeah. And, you know, you know he, he could be – he could be a – Valuable from the standpoint of always scoring touchdowns, maybe not racking up a huge amount of yardage, um, but I think he might get a lot of touchdowns if he's going to get any of that goal line stuff or within the, within ten yards stuff. Um, but you know, we'll we'll see, we'll see. I, I just I have to imagine the Saints are going to call their offense just like they've always have, and that just means everybody gets a touch, everybody gets a little taste, and. Um, Nobody really just dominates week in, week out. One week it might be Lance Moore, the next week it might be Ingram. Week after that it's Colson, and the week after that it's Jimmy Graham. So uh, if consistency is what you're looking for, I think you really just got to stay away from it. I like Lance Moore just because of the, the health issues of the wide receivers. I think I think if Lance Moore can stay healthy, healthy, I think he is a low end number two receiver that you can get really, really late in your draft, even with Wackadoo, even if you're in a Wackadoo New Orleans Saints fan league, which probably most of us are, I still think Lance Moore will have uh, value. He'll be a really good value that you can get, um, you can get late 
you know, maybe even like right at the end of your draft. Uh, Dave, as we as we get to the end of the preseason, what is one sort of thing that's not injury related that has disappointed you in the preseason regarding the Saints? One thing that's not injury related that's disappointed me. Hmm, that's a tough one. Uh, because to be honest with you, I've been fairly, fairly happy with the team. Uh, I'm fairly optimistic about this season. Yeah. Uh, one thing that has disappointed me. Hmm. I don't know. If Kevin's got an answer on this one, he can go and I'll yeah, I'll, I'll tell you what, here's, here's the funny thing. You, <laughs> you've watched all the preseason games and, and you're sitting there trying to find the per, this, this great, this great perfect gem of an answer. Kevin didn't watch any of it, he's got the answer ready. Right. Right. Tackling. Tackling. Wrap that shit up. Wrap it up and fucking tug it, tug somebody to the fucking ground. Wrap and fall. Wrap it up and that's, fall over, man. But see, but see, that's been par for the course for the Saints. That's you know, I, I'm not. No, they fucking that. brought in. Just, they brought in. They brought in the fucking New York guy, the fucking New York guy who revamped the Giants, and who you know was 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 making the Rams. You know, was trying to fucking do some stuff with the Rams defense, despite. Uh, putting a band-aid on a, on a machete wound, and now he gets to come and just focus on being a defensive coordinator, so now we're gonna see him playing with, you know, what appear to be better pieces, and, you know, just, it, it, Steve's gotta fucking tell these guys to tackle. Enforce that shit. Uh, I'm gonna end on this note, we're gonna end on this question. Uh, Dave, you go first. Um, does it delight you or does it horrify you that through all the injuries, the plagues, the locusts, um, and the linebacker apocalypse, Scott Shanley just keeps on chugging along? <laughs> oh, it's funny that you mentioned this because, and I swear this is true, um, the, the other night when they – when the Saints signed that route, I was actually working on a satire piece, um, and it was going to be revo- it was going to revolve around Scott Shanley, and it was going to be, uh, you know, it, it was going to have the theme sort of like Scott Shanley. I, I mean, he's doing something because I mean, just over the last five years. He just will not go the fuck away. He continues <laughs> to sit around. I mean, the Saints have done so much. I mean, players are getting suspended. Uh, players are getting key players are getting injured. The Saints continue to bring in competition, and he will be your starting fucking linebacker for the Saints when this season starts. I fucking guarantee it. Um, I was, you know, I, I was standing around the, the the potential headline of uh, Scott Shanley found dead expected to start against the Texans on Saturday. 
I mean, he's, I really, it, to be honest with you, it delights me because I think he's a good guy and, um, you know, more power to him. And, uh, but I, 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 I get very, very much, I, I find it very funny. I, I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. I really do. I, I, I hope that he plays for another 10 fucking years. <laughs> Scott Shannon, he's gone from the most hated to the most loved. He just, I, I, you gotta give him credit. I mean, he, he is a fucking Duracell battery man. He, he just keeps going and going and going. Energizer, whatever the fuck company sells that shit. Kevin, uh, does it stun you that that Scott Shanley just keeps on surviving? Yeah, yes, and actually, I, let me before I actually deliver the clever little quip that I have. It, it, am I am I supposed to tell the story? Uh, <laughs> you are after this. Okay. You are. Yeah. Uh, all right. We all right. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, then we'll transition that after this. Um, <laughs> so the thing about Scott, the thing about Sh- uh, Shanley is that. It's like, remember the end of The Dark Knight? He's not, Scott Shanley is not the linebacker we want, but he is the linebacker that we need in that he doesn't get injured and and his glaring errors are nowhere near as glaring as everybody else's. Therefore, he gets a paycheck, he stays on the team, and that's, that's, really what we have to accept. And they got him for a bag of balls from the Dallas Cowboys, by the way. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. If fucking Fujita didn't ask for, for for the farm, we'd still have fucking Fujita on our team. <laughs> it was going to be, I, I originally started with Scott Chanley is suspended and Tears ACL out for season. Expected to start for Houston on Saturday, but then I was like, "Fuck it, let's just kill him." I was, so, <laughs> I I like that. so I went with Scott Chandler, found dead. Expected to start on Saturday versus Texans. Oh my god! And, and it's so, so funny because I had like kind of just come up with that, and I'm kind of cracking myself up just reading it. And then, uh, and then I get a text message on my phone. I have it hooked up so that whenever Greg Bensel tweets anything, he automatically comes to my phone as a text message because he's the one guy that, you know, when he tweets something, it's usually important. Uh, when he's so, not like calling that, up John Barr and cursing him out. Right, 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 right. Uh, Allegedly. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, so I was cracking up at my little fake headline there, and all of a sudden I get the text message from Greg Bensel that uh, the same time that route, I was like, oh, now i got to cover this, and I, I can't really write this post now, but maybe I'll get to it. Uh, but, yeah, speaking of Greg, Greg Bensel, I think that's an excellent segue to Kevin's story. It is. Take it away, Harold. Okay. So, and also, part of the transition, as I just mentioned, Scott Fujita. So, this back in... <laughs> geez, We're professional here, it, people. Oh, oh, yeah, of course. The sad thing is, it's been so damn long, I don't even remember the, the exact year or off-season. I knew that we were in uh, Jackson, Mississippi for one of those years, and I think this was, this might have been the 06 year, or maybe 07, I don't know. Um, so, the team, you know, the, the team has the morning practice, and, the, you know, everything goes normal. We talk to players, talk to the coaches, get our sound, start to go write our little pieces about this and that. I'm sort of writing my blurbs, blah, 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 while, while the actual journalists are writing these, like, 1,200-word 1,500-word pieces. I'm churning out, like, 300-word bits about why Steve Gleason likes Pearl Jam. 
Um, <laughs> so why does he like Pearl Jam? Oh yeah. So they, you know, the, the the PR people, they come up and like, all right, guys, the team is currently eating lunch in the cafeteria. Uh, you guys are on deck because you know the players and the journalists can't be in the same place eating because things might get said or you know maybe there might be a dance-off or something. So we go outside the building and we wait for the players to leave, and then they tell us, oh, the players the players actually left a little while ago. They went to some water park. We're like, okay, that's cool, whatever. So we go in, your standard college uh, cafeteria, the whole schmear, great stuff, all the ice cream you can eat. Uh, I'm, we're all eating, sitting at the, at the tables together, you know, journalistic camaraderie and whatnot, and then out of the blue, we see fucking Scott Fujita on crutches coming in through this, uh, through like the lobby of the building that we're in, and then into the cafeteria, like on crutches, and is and he's in a boot. I immediately, like all the reporters look at each other like, what the fuck? I immediately take out my phone and start texting uh, my boss back at uh, back at WWL, like, uh, Scott Fujita's got, uh, came in here on crutches, he got a boot. And I call real quick, and I'm just like, yeah, listen, he's a, you know, I can fucking verify with my own two eyes. He is in a boot. His foot is immobile. His foot is up. He is not putting any weight on it. I don't know what the fuck happened. Run with that. <laughs> so, you know. Your regular talking... War- Woodward and Bernstein held. I'm remembering that I have questions now. See? Now he remembers. Okay, so... Fuck, now I've lost my train of thought. Yeah, Woodward and Bernstein didn't have the whole Watergate thing dropped into their fucking lap like this. So... (laughs) So... You know, know, I I, I may or may not have broken it. I might have broken it. I wish I could take fucking credit for it. I'd love to be the guy to take credit for it, but I can't say for sure. So we're all sitting there wondering what's going on. Well, one of the reporters who I'm sitting at a table with, who I'm still not going to name him because he may or may not still be covering the team, and I do not want to get the guy in trouble, and I respect the guy that much and, you know, just shouldn't be like that. Gets up, approaches Fujita, and says, "Hey, what uh, what's going on?" And Fujita like sort of kind of talks to him and says, "Ah, goofing off, you know, just bang my foot, not that big a deal." And you know, that kind of becomes the thing. Not that big of a deal. I'm in crutches. Right. So Fujita's on crutches. His foot's. His foot looks like shit. Apparently, it's in a boot. Blah blah blah. Who knows what his status is? Is he can he is he going to be able to walk? I don't know. Blah blah blah. So the story's been up on on WWL TV for a while. The story's been out on the other stations, on other paper websites, on the wire. The whole deal. Suddenly, suddenly, like after the final practice, I get a phone call. I don't even remember who it was from. I know they had to have identified themselves. But they didn't chew me out. They didn't, like, cuss at me. But they were clearly very pissed off and wanted to know 
how the fuck did I get the information about Scott Fujita being injured? And I said, because he walked into the cat. He, I'm sorry, he fucking hobbled his way. He fucking hobbled his way into the cafeteria on crutches with a boot. Obviously, I was not just flip. I was fucking petrified because I was a little shit uh, working for a TV station and felt way out of my depth. And I was like, oh, my God, I get to talk to professional football players. Um, so to have the PR guy essentially be like, essentially for the PR guy to be like, who are you? Why are you doing this? What are you, what did what you see? When did you see it? How, how did you see it? What, what, what are you, what is all this? I was kind of scared shitless. Was it so John Saints where he's like, hey, oh man, uh, my Vegeta. Nothing. Keep going. Sorry. So, so, so he just starts like saying, you know, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have written anything. You shouldn't have said anything. Uh, you know, you, you know, you guys weren't allowed to see that. And just like this whole slew of stuff, and just like this whole thing about how, not how unsee it, Kevin. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, shame. <laughs> how stupid of me, a report. How stupid of me, a hungry individual, to be in a cafeteria uh, eating. <laughs> you know, like I mean, that's what I. You know, uh, fuck. An hour after this phone call, that's what I was fucking thinking the whole fucking time. Actually, here's what. So he tells me that Coach Payton is in, is furious. That's what he tells me. He tells me fucking Coach Payton is furious with not only me, but with a handful of other reporters, and he wants to talk to each of us individually and figure out just what the fuck happened, blah, blah, blah. And then he starts asking me, you know, who's the guy that approached Scott Fujita? I'm like, uh, I don't know. Clearly I fucking know, but I ain't going to fucking tell him. Uh, and I'm still not going to fucking tell him, so ha, ha, ha. Uh, you know, who saw, who saw this? Who reported? I said, look. We were all sitting there, and we all saw the guy come in on crutches with a boot on. So clearly, there's something wrong with his foot, unless he's playing the sickest game of uh, fucking pantomime ever. And he clearly wasn't, because he was favoring that fucking foot, dude. He's he's not Daniel Day-Lewis. He is not that committed to the craft. So, again, he tells me, well, Sean Payton is going to call his Coach Payton is going to fucking call you later. And you need to talk to him and explain yourself. And I'm like, okay. So I immediately call my boss, and I'm shitting myself at this point. Like, I'm going to get chewed out by a, the, the, coach, the the fucking head football coach of my favorite sports team, and it's, I'm going to be embarrassed, and I feel like shit, and I don't want to upset anybody, and I'm not trying to be a bad guy. I'm just trying to do my job. Somebody fucking hold me. The whole deal. I feel like ass. I'm talking to my boss. He tells me not to worry about it. He says, you were in the right. It's their fault for, it's their fault for letting you see that. And then the second, the second he told me that, I was like, there's like a fucking switch went off in my head. Like, you're goddamn right it's their fault. Because <laughs> if, if, if it's been a standing rule that the reporters and the, and the players don't fraternize off the field, why in God's name would they let Scott Fujita unaccompanied, unaccompanied, hobble his way into the cafeteria to get get whatever he wanted in front of a room of reporters whose jobs it is to share, to spot anything, and then immediately share it with everyone around them, with, you know, without clearing us out. And, at, and shit, by that point, I was almost waiting for Sean Payton to fucking call me and be like, look, listen, uh, 
my job is to fucking report what I see, and when I see a, a, a man on crutches come by, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that. I'm going to point out. I mean, if anything, shame on you, dude, for not shooing us out. But you know what? But I, even, even, if, even if he didn't walk through the cafeteria, even if you had done a little Woodward and Bernstein and did a little snooping around and found this information on your own, it's still your job to report. You know, it's still – you still would have been in the right. Yeah, but the Saints oh, – oh, yeah. well, absolutely. The thing is with the Saints with Sean Payton, they are – their paranoia and insanity. I understand. I understand, but that's but that's their tough shit to to to, to go and I don't I don't think that they actually wound up doing this. But I mean, if Sean Payton had actually called Kevin and shoot him out, I mean, that's that's I mean, that, why why would you yell at a guy who was just doing his job? Like Sean Payton should say, "All right, you got me. Good job, guy. You know, you, you got me." Uh, but, you know, maybe don't do that. Maybe you and I can talk. Maybe we can come to an understanding or something like that. But, it, you know, it's it's one of those – I think this is one of those stories where, you know, this is why uh, an expose on, on outside the lines is, is saying what they're saying about Sean Payton. Well, the the one thing about that, Dave, is, is when I saw the, the thing on Sean Payton, I immediately thought of you. And I, what you brought up was like, when, if they want to get the dirt on Sean Payton, where the fuck is Kenny Wilkes? <laughs> Where is Kenny Wilkerson in this? Well, let me ask Kenny Wilkerson. Corey Johnson, he don't have no beef with Sean Payton. You gotta have, you gotta have Kenny Wilkerson on this. And well, well, let me tell you something. That whole, the whole, uh, the whole wiretapping story, uh, the original that started this whole thing, um, that's got Kenny Wilkerson's stink all over it. If you ask me, um, I, I mean. That that John Barr was coming down, right? John Barr was the one that wrote the original thing on ESPN. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, so I mean, if John Barr supposedly came to New Orleans, stayed for a month, and was looking for the dirt on on, on Sean Payton or whatever, I think at some point somebody tells you, "Hey, give give this guy Kenny Wilkerson a call," uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if if some or all of this information came from Kenny, and, uh, you know, so I, I think he has kind of, I think he's been involved somehow behind the scenes well, a little bit. I'm, as everybody knows, I'm I'm pro-Kenny Wilkerson, one of the rare ones. I'm definitely pro-Kenny <laughs> Wilkerson. I, one of these days, i got to get Kenny Wilkerson on this podcast and just let him, like. That shouldn't be too difficult. Shouldn't be, but, like, just cleanse his soul, because even, like, he just has stories with the Saints that just would just. It would just blow your fucking mind. They're so right. they're so good. Maybe so. What if they're only like twenty percent true? You won't care because it'll be great, great <laughs> entertainment. But well, shit, how much? How many of the? Uh, I mean, how much of the ESPN stories are twenty percent true? Uh, probably like ten percent of it, maybe. The, the wire, the wire tapping, probably like five percent, I think, because the Saints came out strong against that. But. Um, you know, good times. We got we got so much to co- we got so much possibilities for this podcast, gentlemen. And we still got like twenty weeks to go. But uh, I think that's a great. Ooh, way to I like the optimism. I do, Kevin. He, I think, notice he didn't say eighteen weeks. He said twenty weeks. Yeah, you know. Yes. I'm the optimism, Dave. You, you pump me back. I'm, I'm back. I'm back feeling good about it. And and Kevin, I think we have a new segment. We can have we can have uh, Sir Kevin as a segment, your British accent, and we can have story time with Uncle Kevin. That's exactly. What I was <laughs> well, story time with Uncle Kevin. 
story time with Uncle Kevin may not always be about football, and it may be. Uh, and I tell you what, though, I've got some stories, but it's if Dave may have to put up a fucking new warning about very inappropriate material of a possible illegal nature. Uh, you may not want to have anybody under the age of eighteen listening, and uh, any cops listening have to declare who they are beforehand. Beautiful. Ooh, I think it's, I think it's done. Smoking a doobie. I think it's done. <laughs> no, 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 no. Far worse. <laughs> it is. All right. On that note. I've been killing somebody. <laughs> that, that is my uh, on that note, I'm Ralph Marlboro for Dave Cariello. Go to Canal Street Chronicles. Kevin Hell, go to Hakeem Drops the Ball and get all your Pearl Jam lyrics that you can stand. I'm Ralph Marlboro. So long until next week. I love you, Ray